Hello there. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Sith Takers Snapshots podcast. My name is Bob D, and with me for this episode are Colm Brown. Hello there. And Sean. Hello there. Um, in this show, we're going to be having a quick look at what happened in France over the weekend. And then we're going to have a squint at the floor rules that have just been released by FFG. It's fair to say, though, that information about France is fairly scant. We were hoped to be speaking to Ronan Eels, who was one of the Brits representing out there. But unfortunately, he's on a plane rather than talking to us, which is sad. Uh, but what we do know is that one fairly popular list that made it through to the final and succeeded and one less popular list that still terrifies me uh colm what was it that made the final so we had rebels against imps the rebel list is four u-wings or a bit surprising maybe so that was benthic with perceptive and chopper heft hobber with selfless a blue squadron scout with gin Erso and tactical scrambler and a blue squadron scout with leia so just having a quick look at that list, I think that seems to just be like rebel efficiency and damage mitigation. So you've got Hef with Selfless. You can park your Blue Squadron Scout with Tax Scrambler and Jin in front of the one they want to kill the most, which is probably the one with Leia on. And then you've got Jin Erso and Benthic to hand out focuses and evades and make everything very hard to kill. It is, it is a really tough list. I played it in the Italian Open. And in fact, it finished top of Swiss in the Italian Open. The guy said to me I was the, the only person who came close to beating him all day because it's just so much stuff to plough through. And loads of, of Hull and Shield. The temptation is to rely on Hull and Shield for your defence. But with Gin Erso in there and Tax Scrambler and Selfless, it's really horrible because... Behind all of that, you've got two green dice generally with a focus token. Yeah, it's so much to choose here. And like it, because of the way this it can stop and the interactions that lay it, it just, it's just a big block of nastiness that you just have to fly at, really. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to say, oh, well, yeah, you just get around behind it. But then it just turns 180 degrees or 90 degrees, whatever it needs to turn to, to point at you. And there's, there's no real safe angle of approach. So it's it's very much a sort of modern turret list. If you think about how turrets work in, in 2.0 now, with them having to to choose a direction and, and face in, in that particular direction, that's what those four ships can do. They've all got three red dice. And with, with Leia, no massive penalty for flipping around whenever they need to. So that's kind of scary, really. Yeah. Uh, and the list it came up against was one we're familiar with already, albeit in a new form. So this is the one created by the Birmingham Barons over in the US. So it was Jendon flying the Lambda Shuttle with Palp Crew, Darth Vader with Afterburners, and then Major Vinder with all of the toys. He's got Trickshot, FCS, Proton Torps, Advanced Proton Torps, Advanced Slam, and of course the Arsenal loadout. So yeah, it's basically the same list. I think there might have been a few toys taken off Vader due to the points increases, or maybe just a reduction in bid. I'm not um, I think he's lost the fire control system. But it's still obviously a, a solid list. Yeah, I think it's not quite as good as it was because the the prey isn't around with the points changes. The Barons came up with that on the basis that they could take out a Phantom before it shot using Vader and the ordnance on uh, Vinda. And actually, the Phantoms just aren't there in the, the numbers that they were. 
Yeah, but like it's still it's still one. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I've got to say, I flew against it with the Skurgs, and I I really only had positive experiences against it with Skurgs. And uh, I played uh, Paul Full on at the the GC. He was running it, and and he had he had a bad game, and he would say he had a bad game with it against me, and, and didn't really do the list the justice that he he normally would have done. But even so, it, it, I never found it a, a massively scary list because just kill Vinder. And then you're left with Vader, pretty much. And you can really draw the teeth there and, and it's okay. I don't know if it's that simple. Really. Like, so the Skurgs, they're gone. I don't think there's anything that has that, like, a Skurg can just weather the attacks of this entire list and, like, still be there to shoot. I don't think yeah. there's really that much stuff in the game that can do that. But I can see, like, a lot of good stuff about it. So you've got Vader at six putting out crits after burner so we can arc dodge Vinde. if you're up against something swarmy like they're never going to catch Vinder. he can slam out of the way if you're up against you know something ac Vinder's a great blocker and also you like you have to respect those advanced proton torps and so on like you just have to be so careful around them where you can just die i mean do we think it would go up against kind of cis swarms though because i mean from i think from the new release we've had with the hyena, Mike has always said that they're going to become a lot more, they're going to be around a lot more. And I just don't think a list like this could actually stand up against a decent swarm. I think Bob's right that if you take out Vinda, which I think a swarm could comfortably, I think would Vader have enough time to kind of kill the rest of them or maybe get the points back after the swarms, like say, taking out Vinda and taking out the Pulp Shuttle? I mean, you've got, You've got 69 points on Vinder, and, and he's got to be your target because he's he's your best return in terms of the shots you put out against the points you're getting for those shots. Vader at 73 is going to take a lot more killing than than yeah. Vinder is, as is as is the Lambda. So you are heading for Vinder, and that also has the advantage that that's the major offense that's going to strip points off you. My my only thought is is uh, whether or not the slam is good enough to stay out of the way of a of a cis swarm. Quite possibly. It, like I think it's, I don't think it's black and white in terms of like oh if you see a cis swarm you just lose or you just win. Like I think that does in my head would be fairly close. Looking at as well there. So shout out to First Earth. He streamed the French Open and he's got the final up on YouTube. And you can see like that Francois, the player who brought the uh, Hatchet Man has brought all gas clouds. So that helps a lot against, I think, the CIS swarms for two reasons. One, obviously, you're getting that free evade if you're behind it. But also yeah. with Vinde, and this is something like, the again, the Barons set up with the original list, is like you can advance slam over those gas clouds really with no ill effect. Like, he's very tough to pin down with the setup of rocks he's brought. So I think he is quite survivable and can dodge around them. Yeah, I mean, my, my top 16 at the, the the GC was against a, a hatchet man. And I, I felt that the there's a lot of skill in balancing the pincer of Vader and the missile boat so that they're, they're both coming in at the same time and they're, they're properly kiting the, the targets. And I fainted at Vader in that game and then flipped round and took out Vinder. And that really was it. He had a slightly unfortunate end to Vinder because he was hoping to clear the 
if you don't do a straight take a damage crit using the coordinate from the shuttle. Unfortunately for him, I, I blocked the shuttle, which meant that his uh, bank move blew his Vinder up, which was was sad, really. Um, but it, it, I don't know. I just haven't had a had a scary time with it with that as a list. And it may be the sort of ships I like to fly against it and, and the state of the meta back then. But, of course, it's all, all a long time ago because Skurg's sitting in the box now. Yeah. And Hatchet Man still alive and kicking. I mean, I think as a meta, you've got to be really careful with France because they've got the, the new points update, but they weren't allowed to take Wave 4 ships. And there's all sorts of rumours on why that was. But it, it meant that it's one of those peculiar events where it's got an absolutely unique meta. So yeah. I don't think you can draw too much by way of, of longer-term lessons. No, that's fair. Do we know First Earth's planning to release any of the data packs that he did? Because I know, uh, I think Nerf heard he collected loads of data and was quite quick on releasing kind of volumes of ship numbers and percentages and stuff. So Nerf heard it was run using that software that Simon had created. So all the right. lists went into that, and that was that let him take all the data out. Whereas this, I suppose, would have been run on whatever Asmodee or the f- uses, which is, I don't know, Tome? Which means Simon probably can't get data in the same way oh, he could God, for Nerf yeah. That's a shame, because that data pack was really useful. It was. It was very good, and the software yeah. was very good as well. Especially when you scanned the codes. It was just amazing for a distribution. FFG have gone full paranoia on GDPR. I mean, it is, it is the new Data Protection Act. You can't say anything about anybody without getting prosecuted and having your house taken off you for GDPR. And actually, the regulatory authorities are, are just nowhere near talking to anybody about GDPR. They can't cope with all the well-intentioned companies self-reporting on losing the top piece of paper and blowing away in a bit of a breeze. So I don't think it's actually a, a real risk. Although that's not legal advice. If you do want legal advice, talk to a lawyer. <laughs> well, Bob's rates are very reasonable, I believe. <laughs> no, no, they're absolutely I waiting, not. <laughs> I, was, I was just waiting for the plug there. <laughs> okay, uh, enough of France. Um, let's talk about the floor rules that have been published. Just, just quickly, guys, are you in favour or against floor rules? Colm, I'm a little bit ambivalent. Okay, and Sean, uh, I think. Uh, oh, I think they're a great idea, but I think they are going to be too hard to implement due to the grey space. Okay, as in it's not black or white. And florals wise, I mean there were there were three really big bits that stood out to me. The first is slow play, and they have distinguished slow play where you fail to maintain what they helpfully describe as a reasonable pace of play. And they've distinguished that from stalling, which is a deliberate attempt to obstruct the proper play of the game by doing stupid stuff to work the clock down. You know, the whole, oh, yeah, I've just seemed to have thrown my dial to the side of the room. Oh, yeah, this is my missus on the phone. Oh, yeah, I need to go to the toilet type stuff is being distinguished from being a slow player. Uh, What do we think on that, Sean? I think that it's glad it's been clearly defined that they're two different things. I think, obviously, in other podcasts, it's been a, a huge talking point. And I think, I, I don't think there's as much slow play as people have made out that there is. But it's a good thing that they've defined it. 
I still think there might be a bit woolly on it without any kind of like specifics for judges to go to, um, to not have any arguments arise f- um, from those points. But it's a step in the right direction. You don't get it right first time. So, you know, it might not be great now, but I think in the future it can be nailed down and it will be good. I mean, it, for me, it's really good news. I, I, I have come across someone uh, a couple of times and we've had a lovely friendly pleasant game but we haven't managed to get more than six turns done because the guy just doesn't like putting his styles down and every time it happens it's it's 10 minutes now i have never thought for one moment that that is somebody who is quotes slow playing in the sense that they are deliberately trying to use the clock to slow the game down because they know that they can take the points when they want them, but they don't want to be exposed to a full engagement. I've never thought that. But for that reason, I never complained about it. I never called a judge and said, look, you know, we're, we're half an hour through the game and we've, we've only achieved nearly three turns and this isn't on. Because I had understood slow play to be deliberate slow play. But now yeah. they've introduced this idea that if you are unreasonably slow in the the way in which you put your dials down and stuff then that is something that can can be penalized which i'm i'm welcoming that definitely call me you've done quite a bit of toing is it something that crops up from players as the judge's point of view like it's quite hard like you can't watch every table all the time so you can't i think slow play especially intentional slow play is very hard to spot like basically someone has to say you know, whisper to you, I think my opponent is stalling for time. Can you give them the hurry up? And generally what you can do is you just watch their game for a while. And if they are slow playing, you say, please, can you play faster? You know, I don't think, I think these floor rules are good. Like, as you say, Bob, if you thought slow play and stalling, there's now a distinction in your mind and you can now feel free to ask your opponent, please, can you play a bit faster? That's a good thing that the floor rules have done because really that should have been clear before you know like that was something i would have expected players to do so if, anyway so if floor rules are clearing that up that's only a good thing really isn't it and yeah i mean i i like that and it's it's nice to have a, a reminder on bribery collusion those are bad things you can't discuss with your opponent the outcome of the game before you actually play it but that's that's always been the case and and yet there's all sorts of anecdotes about people who've set up particular outcomes and, and for me, it just seems a bit overambitious to say that there's some sort of purity in the competition when the prize system works as the prize system works. I mean, for example, when, when Will's invites really mattered, people were turning up at the hyperspace and saying to their opponents, "Do you want? will you go to Will's? With the indication being that if they won, they would go to Will's and they really wanted the invite and they would really rather that their opponent didn't win. And there's nothing wrong with saying to your opponent, would you go to Wills if you won? That seems like a perfectly natural bit of conversation. But it is loaded in in the context of, of you playing a knockout game. And I think that that idea of the, the purity of the competition is not really going to be either advanced or in any way prejudiced by the, the new rules. Yeah, I think especially as it points out that you can, like conceding doesn't really follow under those. Like if you at some point say if you talk to your opponent and say are you going to Worlds and they say yes and you decide in like in your own head like don't say oh, all right well I'm going to throw this game you can just concede at the end like that's apparently yeah. not something that's against the rules so that I mean and that's fine right 
I've got no issues with people doing that. And the, the, the bit of the florals that I found a bit concerning was the idea of dishing out points for inappropriate behaviour, which did seem to me to be a bit of a, a licence to behave badly. Uh, I think it's seven points in the more casual event you've got to get to get disqualified and five points in the premier events. That just strikes me as being a, uh, the rules saying that you've got several opportunities to behave badly before they'll actually take real action against you. Yeah, any, any thought? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. I think you're spot on there. I think it should be more down to the judges to maybe be a bit harsher with just say you get a warning, then that's it. After that, I don't see why. I also don't understand why they've distinguished between the casual gaming and the non-casual. Um, so the casual events and the premier events, it should really just be either a rule for all of them. Um, I think I think that that's because they want people at casual events to be able to like make mistakes, and to not be like sent off. They want to be, yeah. like they need to be able to say, okay, like you can't do that. Now so, you know. Well, so should you really have them for casual gamers? Can you not just rely on the local to yours at the events? Because surely they have the ability anyway, just to say no, you can't that. So you can't do that. You've done this constantly. I'm going to have to kick you out really I, I, don't, I don't feel why they've felt the need that they had to do something for the casual side well um, I think it doesn't matter that they have because as you say like it, it doesn't matter at the casual event like the local TO still has it, kind of complete control and I think a lot yeah. of the one thing about these florals is that a lot of it is still is up to judge discretion yeah you know and stuff like you know like penalty points up until like can you call your opponent a bad name three times and then no more like it still says like you can't harass people. Harassment is unacceptable. So if anyone does anything like that, you can just say like, right, mate, you're gone. And it's like up to the judge what is like harassment and what is just being a bit rude. Where you need to take someone aside and say, please don't do that anymore. That's not okay. Which really I think is the same as things were before. I mean, it just strikes me that if people are behaving badly towards their opponents, they don't need two warnings. They need one. Yeah. And yeah. and if people if people are being rude, then the judge comes and says, "That's rude. That's not on. If it happens again, you're having an early bath, and we'll have to think about whether or not we'll sell you a ticket in the future." Is is what I would like to see happen, because then if the player is just a little bit overexcitable and and his sense of humour doesn't quite gel with his opponent, he's had a warning. But equally, he knows to be careful how he behaves for the rest of the day. But with this system, it does seem like that you can sort of um, build and build and build until it becomes really horrible and and that's the moment to which they'll do something but fingers crossed that judges discretion is is used appropriately yeah it's not something to be honest that i'm concerned about like i have found and i think the majority of people have found x-wing events to be like completely fine and friendly and i can't say i've ever seen anything that i would describe as over the top so hopefully that Ooh. will continue to be the case i mean can I, can I just jump, sorry? Can I just jump in? So I've uh, turned my mic on for this, so I am going to be uh, just uh, speaking on the podcast for two secs. But I actually see you bring it in at casual events as a good like learning tool, because if it was only for premier events, you might find people perhaps go to their first premier events and perhaps get caught out by floor, floor rules. So being able to yeah. use them at local level, uh, but with a bigger capacity for like you know incurring penalties, is um, perhaps going to introduce players to the more sort of. It's, it's not so much like, the, I mean the way to behave. Everybody should behave like you know you know in a certain way. 
Colm, on Sunday, when you let producer Tim out of the box, what did you do with the key? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, threw, think... he threw it into a field. No, no, no. The point is a good point that actually yeah. having having the same system at all events is going to be good for players so they understand what can and can't do. And actually, behaving nicely towards people is of itself a noble endeavour. You know, it's <laughs> it's a nice thing to teach people to behave nicely. Yeah, now you mention it, Tim, it, it, it actually does make perfect sense because it's almost like when you have a casual game and you say, I'll let you off with doing that, but at a tournament, you wouldn't be, you would have failed that action, you know? So, it, yeah, it is bringing them into, it's, it's educating them into that standard type of play. So when they go to the premier event, they don't get upset or, you know, they don't get caught off guard by something they weren't expecting and it ruins their experience. Okay, um, we've had a chat about florals. Uh, time to wind up this show. Just one thing to note about the florals is they are generic florals for FFG games. It's not X-Wing specific. So there are a yeah. few questions that I know people wanted answered, which aren't. So things like, what constitutes a cock die? What do you do with a cock die? What do you do if your opponent looks at your dial? You know, these are kind of X-Wing specific things that people have been asking for hard and fast rulings on for a long time, and they're still not really out there. So maybe we'll see that in the future, but we'll see. Yeah, there's definitely scope for for a bit more for those kind of specific X-wingy things. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for listening. And before we go, um, two quick shout-outs. First of all, Team UK in France did really well this weekend. Amazing runs from uh, Simran and Connor and Ronan and Alex Burt, and most impressively, captain of Team Wales, Steve Gage. Um, well done to all of you boys. Uh, congrats on doing so well. And the other shout-out is to thank Dylan Jones for the very kind words that he offered about us in his blog at dylan-jones.co.uk. He's uh, written about how to get better at X-Wing. And that's a difficult topic that we all want to know more about. And it's actually, it's a great piece of writing. And I really enjoyed that. So thank you, Dylan, for the name check. Uh, We appreciate that. And thank you for the blog. Really enjoyed that. So until Friday... It's going to be goodbye from me, Bob D, and goodbye from Colm. Bye-bye. And goodbye from Sean. Bye.